thank you, Pastor Bowen, for inviting me and letting me speak here today. I, I, I just feel so accepted and feel at home. And I love you, and I love Brother Steve and Donna and their family. They've been a blessing to me over the years. When did you say you came to our church in 1980? 81. That's when we became friends. So we didn't meet yesterday. <laughs> and many, many great things through the years we have seen together. But I still believe the greatest is yet to come. I believe the greatest is yet to come. Hallelujah. Today I would like to share with you a story from the Bible. It's recorded in Matthew, the 14th chapter, and the 23rd verse. There are times when we are up against it, and life is a desperate struggle with ourselves, with our circumstances, with our temptations, with our sorrows, with our decisions, when we are in danger of being overwhelmed by the storms of life. Now, I don't know if you are that predicament today, but the chances are that everyone under the sound of my voice has at one time or sometime or even today has been in that place. You didn't know what to do. But I'm telling you, God is more real in those times than he is when you think everything's going smooth. You just have to look for him. Jesus had just got through feeding the multitude with two fish and five loaves. One of the greatest miracles in the Bible. Over 5,000, not counting women and children. That possibly could have been 7,000, counting the women and children. And they were so impressed by this miracle that Jesus performed, they decided they wanted to make him the king. Now, it wasn't that he's not the king. It just wasn't the time to crown him as king. He's coming back the second time to be crowned King of Kings and Lord of Lords. But the multitude felt that they would make him king. And Jesus sent the multitude away, verse 23, and he went up into a mountain apart to pray. And when the evening was come, he was there alone. You know, there's something about just you and God praying. It's wonderful to pray in a congregation like this. You're in a faith atmosphere. Uh, yes, the devil knows more than to attack you in here because he's got too many people of faith in here that he can't, he can't defeat. But when you step out those doors, and when you go to work Monday, you're in an atmosphere of the enemy. Now, a lot of folks don't understand that Lucifer, Satan, is the God of this world. Paul said that. You say he's the God of this world? Yes, he is. If he wasn't the God of this world, you wouldn't see wars. You wouldn't see famine. Hello? You wouldn't see all the things that's going on. But you see, God has set a time 
when he will no longer be God of this world. But when Jesus returns, he'll be crowned God of this world eternally, King of kings and Lord of lords. Jesus was up in the mountains praying. But, but the ship, Jesus had sent the disciples to go on before him to the other side. They were in God's will. They were doing what he told them to do. Verse 24, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. Do you think Jesus had not seen them boys rowing in the the wind and they knew they couldn't make no progress because the wind would blow them back? Do you think Jesus didn't see their struggle? Why did he wait to the fourth watch of the night? That's the darkest time. Why didn't he come in the first watch of the night? And they wouldn't have had to be so wore out from trying to row against the storm. But Jesus waited, listen to this. Jesus waited till they knew it was impossible for them to get to the other side. Sometimes God waits until you come to the realization that it's going to be God that does it. I can't do anything. If I make it through this storm, God's going to have to take me through it. I don't have the strength. Oh, hallelujah. And when the disciples, verse 26, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying it is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. The first reaction when you're in a storm or circumstance that seems impossible, your first reaction of the flesh is fear. When that doctor report is not good, the first reaction is fear. When you get that pink paper that you're laid off and you don't know how you're going to pay your bills, the first reaction is fear. But you have to choose. The next reaction is faith. Hallelujah. You have to choose between the fear and the faith. And the disciples cried out for fear. They had just seen him perform a miracle of two fish and five loaves and feed a multitude. They had walked with Jesus. They had seen him open the blind eyes. They had seen him make the lame to walk. But now they're in a storm and they're afraid. You know, a lot of times we know what God can do. We know what he's done for us in the past. But sometimes when we get in a situation, the devil attacks our faith and we don't know how that it's a him that's attacking our faith. And they cried out, verse 26, and saw him walking on the sea. They were troubled, saying it is a spirit. And they cried out for fear. 
But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Oh, I like this. Oh, hallelujah. If I didn't want to preach so bad, I'd just start shouting. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. In other words, he was saying to his disciples, Get happy. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, Get happy. You say, well, how can I get happy when I'm in a storm and we're fixing to go under and it looks like we're going to drown? How can I have a be of good cheer? Because you know who's coming. You know who you're trusting in. You know he won't leave you or forsake you. Be happy. <laughs> he said, it is I. Now, the, another translation says it like this. Be of good cheer, the I am is here. <laughs> Ooh, the one that made the waters, the one that formulated the hills, the one that created the universe and flung the stars from his fingertips. He's here. The I am is here. Oh, if the I am is with you, there's nothing that can take you down. There's nothing the devil can throw at you that will destroy you because the I am is with you. That's what God told Moses when Moses was asked to do an impossible thing, go against the Pharaoh of Egypt, the greatest kingdom in the world, the greatest army in the world. God said, I want you to go in and tell him to deliver my people and all you've got is a stick. Oh, I said, all you got is a stick. Sometimes when we face things, we think we don't have much to fight the enemy. But I want to tell you, what you got is enough. Hallelujah. I said, what you got is enough. God took that shepherd's staff, that stick, and he parted the waters of the Red Sea. Hallelujah. God took that stick and he hit a rock and water gushed out of that sea. God will use what you have if you'll trust him. They were afraid. Do you ever get afraid? Now, I don't ask for hands. Verse 27. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, get happy. It is I, be not afraid, the I am as we are here. Verse 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be that, if. Have you ever been in a situation you're praying, you feel something, and you say, Lord, is that you? I have many times. Lord, is that you speaking to me? Is that you wanting me to do something? Peter said, Lord, if, thou, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the waters. Peter said, I want out of this boat. It's going under, and if that's you, I want to be where you're at. Hallelujah. <laughs> then Jesus said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the boat, out of the ship, he walked on the water. Everybody said that Peter walked on the water. 
you can walk over your problems. You can walk over your storms too. He walked on the water to go to Jesus. But verse 30. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. Uh-oh. He made a mistake. Have you ever made a mistake trying to trust God? Jesus said to him, come. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he got his eyes on the circumstances. He got his eyes on the situation he was in. He got his eyes on how high the waves were. That's what brings us down so many times is that we get our eyes focused on the problem, on the circumstance, on the situation, and we focus on that instead of going to Jesus. Oh, somebody help me preach this morning. Hallelujah. And beginning to sink. Uh-oh. When you get your eyes off of Jesus, you can start sinking. I felt a sinking feeling. I've been there when I was afraid. God, I, I don't know if I can take that step of faith. I don't know if I can do that. And there was times when I was trying to do what he told me. I felt like I was sinking. You'll probably feel that way too sometimes. Not all the time. But sometimes there'll be a times when you feel like, Lord, I'm going under. I, I can't take no more. This is too much for me. And Peter cried out. He was sinking and he cried saying, Lord, save me. Everybody say, Lord, save me. You know what that tells me? That tells me I am never out of the sight of Jesus. He saw him on the mountain when he was praying. He saw what they was going through. You're never out of his care. He always cares for us. You're never out of his reach. He may have been on the mountain and they were in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, but he was never out of their reach. You're never out of God's reach. Hallelujah. I don't care what circumstance you're in. The great hand of God, the splendiferous hand that spread the heavens like a curtain, that hand is still able to reach you. Oh, hallelujah. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, Lord, save me. Verse 31, and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him. <laughs> Jesus wasn't going to let him sink. He may have made a mistake and got his eyes off of Jesus and on the, on the wind and the storm, but Jesus said, you're not going to sink. You're my child. You're my apostle. I'm going I'm to get you through this. And he stretched out his hand and caught him and said unto him, 
Oh, thou of little faith. My goodness. I thought when Peter started and got out of the boat, he had great faith. Sometimes our faith can become little if we get our eyes on the circumstance. Oh, thou of little faith, wherefore did thou doubt? Why did you doubt that you could come to me? I told you to come. If I told you to come, you can come. Why did you doubt me? And when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. And they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying, of a truth, thou art the Son of God. Now I like this. There's something here about this situation. I believe Jesus could have prevented this storm. Because when he got to the boat, it stopped. But there's something about allowing his disciples to go through a storm. You see, you'll never know how to trust God until you go through something difficult. You'll never know what God can do until you face a mountain that's impossible to climb. You've got to experience it. Oh, hallelujah. When he got back to the boat, they said, now we know. <laughs> we didn't really completely fully persuaded who you was. We knew you as a prophet. We knew you as a great man. We'd sing you to the impossible, but we didn't realize you were the son of God. Now we know you are the son of God. Oh, hallelujah. When you come through a storm or situation and God meets you and delivers you, hallelujah, then you'll know he's God. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Somebody praise him in this room. We're never out of God's reach. We're never out of God's hand. You know, David in the 101st Psalm, he, he experienced something like this. In the 101st Psalm, uh, 107th Psalm and verse 25, said, And he commandeth and raiseth up the storm we win. Oh, God does that. Which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heaven. They go down again into the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. <laughs> oh, this is going to get good at the end, so just hang on. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> they reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man. The wind. It's just about to knock you off your feet. And reel to and fro like a man that's drunk. And are at their wits' end. Have you ever been at your wits' end? That's a staying, you know, somebody saying, well, I'm at my wits' end. What they're saying is, I'm, I'm at the place I don't know what to do. I've tried everything and it hadn't worked. 
and I don't know what to do. I'm at my wit's end. David said, I'm at, I'm at my wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. Everybody say, then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. Well, that's pretty good, but not everybody said that. Come on. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. Trouble will make you cry unto God. Trouble will make you pray. I want to tell you something. Prosperity and good times, you don't grow in those times. You grow in the difficult times. You grow in the times when you know you have to trust God. Then you're maturing and you're growing. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. <laughs> God ain't going to leave you in that distress. God is not going to leave you in that trouble. When you start to cry out to him, Lord, save me, help me. He hears you. He really does. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and break their bonds asunder. Verse 15, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Oh, that men would praise. Would you lift your hand and give the Lord a praise in this room? Hallelujah. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. Hallelujah. There's a story in the Old Testament I'd like to share with you. It's in Genesis, the 16th chapter. And I don't know if you've ever read it. A lot of people don't read the Old Testament. But it's just as much a part of the Bible as the New Testament. Same God wrote them both. In the 16th chapter of Genesis, there's a story of Abraham and Sarah. And you know, at that time, they lived in tents. They didn't have $300,000 houses to live in. They went from place to place in a tent. And Sarah had a handmaiden. She had a servant that served her and done everything she wanted him to do, her to do. But suddenly, her name was Hagar. She was an Egyptian slave. But suddenly, Sarah got jealous. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. I, I'm going to a good place here. Sarah got jealous. Because Hagar had conceived a child of, of Abraham. And Sarah didn't have one. Boy, it's getting quiet in here. And Sarah began to abuse her verbally. She began to make it hard on Hagar. So one day Hagar took all she could take. And she left. Abraham and Sarah. She started walking in the desert of Arabia. 
That's a dry and a parched place. Where are you going? You don't have a tent? You don't have a camel? How are you going to get through this desert? God has a plan. So Hagar began to walk through that desert and becoming so... She becomes so weak. She becomes so frustrated that she went as far as she could and she failed. She found a well. She found a well and she dropped down at that well and leaned up against it. So out of breath. So out of strength. But God didn't leave her. God sent an angel to her. (laughs) And said, hey, Gar, who are you and where are you going? You think God didn't know who she was, but he was trying to get her to realize who she was. (laughs) Who are you and where are you going? She told the angel the story about how she had took all she could take, being abused, and that she left and went out into the desert. But the story says that the angel said unto her, you go back to Sarah. Oh, goodness. You go right back to Sarah and you submit yourself to her. I've got a plan. Glory to God. So Hagar turned around and she went right back to Sarah and Abraham's tent. And she surrendered herself to Sarah to say, whatever you want, I'll do. Now, I want to tell you something. You can't run from your problem. (laughs) Hagar went out in the desert. I'm getting away from this. I'm getting out of this. But God said, you go back. You can't run from a problem. You can't run from a situation. You got to trust God to get you through it. Oh, hallelujah. I said, you got to trust God to get you through it. Hagar gave God a name. The only person in the Bible that God allowed to give him a name. The only woman in the Bible that God allowed to give him a name. She named him El Roy. Everybody say El Roy. You just spoke in Hebrew. El Roy means... God sees me in Hebrew. Hallelujah. Everybody say, God sees me. God, Hagar gave God a name, said, God sees me. He sees you. Do you believe he sees you? Do you believe he knows exactly everything about you? He knows more about you than the IRS, and they know a lot. He sees you. God 
sees me. El Roa. You see, the names of God in the Old Testament have great meaning. They're not just there to take up space. They reveal the personality of God. They reveal the traits and the attributes of God. Abraham met God and God said, I'm Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. God is still the God of peace. He's the El Shalom. He's everything wonderful. Oh, hallelujah. You don't need anything that God don't have it, and he's waiting on you to just trust him. And when it looks like you're going to under, don't let your faith go. Say, God, you told me to come, and I'm coming. God told her something else. She was with child sitting at that well in that desert. God, the angel said to Hagar, Hagar, you're going to have a son. And I want you to name him Ishmael. That's a funny name, isn't it? Everybody say Ishmael. In Hebrew, Ishmael means God hears. God sees and God hears. Everybody say, God sees and he hears. You may think you're not getting through in your prayers. It may feel, you may feel like they're, they're just hitting the ceiling and bouncing back. But I got news for you. Hallelujah. God hears. He heard Hagar in her trouble and he brought her out of it. And God hears you. Yes, he does. God hears you. Who is this Jesus? Who is this God? He's heaven's bread to earth's hungry. He's the water of life to the thirsty. To the sick, he's the great physician. To the druggist, he's the bomb of Gideon. To the lawyer, he's the great counselor. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody praise him in this room. Oh, that's the one you serve. He's everything you need. Look at somebody next to you and say, God is everything I, has everything I need. God has everything I need. You may be in a desert. You may be in a storm. You may be in a place of financial circumstances. I know nobody in here gets in those places, but other people do. I want you to know he's the great provider. He's Jehovah Jireh. God will provide. He's El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. Hallelujah. The all-sufficient one. Hallelujah. He's Elohim, the great judge. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. What is God to you? Is he just somebody once a week you come and 
enjoy a service, enjoy the praise and worship? What is God to you? Is he your everything? Do you love him more than you love anything? Jesus said to his disciples, if you don't love me more than father or mother, sister, or children, says you're not worthy of me. You can't follow me. Until you put God first and trust him, you can't follow him. You won't know what it means to know that God is the God of everything. He's the God that can do anything. They used to sing a song, my God can do anything, yes, anything. God can do anything. I, I get amused, and I'm closing. I get amused at the scientists now. They're, they've got a new telescope, and you probably heard about it, called the Webb Telescope. They said they're seeing... With this telescope, they're seeing almost to the beginning of the universe. They've gotten so far that seeing that, that they, th they think they're just a few hundred thousand years from the beginning of the universe. <laughs> but they still don't know how it come into being. Hallelujah. Because they don't know God. Oh, Hallelujah. Our God charted the course of the planets. He put the twinkle in the stars. He can do whatever you need. Right now, I want you to bow your heads. I want to pray. And I want to ask God that if there's anyone in this room that may be going through very difficult times. Now you may say, Brother Ken, I don't know that I'm, I'm feeling fine. Yeah, but the person sitting next to you or in front of you or in back of you may be going through a terrible time. So I want to pray for you. Father, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Elohim, the Almighty, I come unto you in Jesus' name. I don't know the hearts of everyone in this room. I don't know everybody's problem or situation, but you do. They're your children. And a father knows what his children are going through and needs. I ask you today, right now, that they will experience a victory. They will experience a, a, a time of faith that they know that God's going to get them through this. God's going to answer their prayer. God's going to save them loved ones. God's going to provide for everything they need. Lord, I want you to give them strength. I want you to increase your faith. If they're like Peter, when he got his eyes on the when he began to sink, God, if their faith is being shaken, God, strengthen it.
let them know that you'll not let them go down. You're not going to let them be destroyed. If you're God's child, my friend, God's got an investment in you. You say an investment? Yes. He invested his son in you. His only son. He invested him in you. He has invested his spirit with you. God has an investment in you. He's invested his word in you. Now, you might lose your money on the stock market. But God's not going to lose his investment. He's got too much already invested in you. Hallelujah. He's going to see you through.